take your Bibles out and turn to Exodus chapter 31, verse 33 this morning within God's Word as we prepare for the Holy Word of God. Thank you, praise team. The praise team has served communion before they're seated, so they are taken care of. Amen. I, I am intrigued by signs, and I'm especially intrigued by no trespassing signs. In the spirit of David Letterman's top ten list syndrome, I want to share with you in the beginning of this word this morning to be able to make a point as we teach God's word. Top ten. The top ten starting with number ten. Tech booth, you got number one up there. Take it off. Take it off. That's number one. Take it off. There you go. We're going to start with David Letterman always started with the top ten. Amen. They did the same mistake in the first service or the last service. Starting with the top ten. Starting with the last one. Number ten. Top ten. No trespassing signs. Put it on the screen, please. Warned. Armed. Irrational. Crazy. Redneck. Lives here. Number nine. Please be safe. Don't stand, sit, climb, or lean on zoo fences if you fall. Animals could eat you and that might make them sick. Thank you. Number eight. No soliciting. We found Jesus. We know who we're voting for. We love our vacuum cleaner and we gave at the office. Seriously, unless you're selling thin mints, that's Girl Scout cookies, please leave. Where am I at? Number seven. Beware of the dog. The cat is not trustworthy either. Number six. This house is protected by the good Lord and a gun. You will meet them both if you come in unwelcome. Number five. Is there life after death? Trespass here and find out. Number four. No trespassing due to increased ammunition costs. We will no longer fire a warning shot. No warnings. Number three. Warning, I can make it to the fence in 2.8 seconds. Can you? Number two, prayer is the best way to meet the Lord. Trespassing is faster. And the number one no trespassing sign is, warning, this property protected by husband with gun and wife with PMS. Guess which one is home? You need to be aware that ancient Israel lived with a no trespassing sign of sorts. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 31 verse 33, You shall make a veil woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen. It shall be woven with an artistic design of cherubim. Then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there. That's the ark of the covenant. Behind the veil... The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and what? The most holy or the holy of holies. This holy curtain was to be a sight barrier. It was to be a natural physical barrier. And it was also a spiritual barrier between man and God. Between the holy place and the holy of holies, where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt. Well, pastor, 
Pastor, there, there must have been a Cedar Point line. There must have been a Cedar Point type line of people lined up just waiting to get into the Holy of Holies. Uh, no. No. Anyone entering the Holy Holies, not according to God's prescribed method, was struck dead. Leviticus Chapter 16, verse 2, warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the veil. The penalty for intrusion is what? This morning, I want to share a communion message with you unlike any other I've ever shared. We're going to take communion in a very, very special way this morning, unlike we've ever taken communion. As I said... This is more of a teaching word. And in this teaching word, I want to focus on this holy curtain. This holy curtain that divided the most holy place. The holy of holies from the holy place. The Bible refers to it as the veil. The veil. Father, in the name of Jesus, grant us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive, what your spirit is saying to the church in this hour. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you'd like to follow along, fill in the blank with me. Everything about the design and the crafting of this veil, which separated both priests and people from the holy presence of God, all of it screamed unapproachable, inaccessible, no trespassing. The veil was a no trespassing sign. It was 60 feet high once it was in Herod's temple. It was 30 feet wide. Uh, It had the thickness of the palm of your hand. Embroidered upon it were the holy cherubim. These are the destroying angels. They are the bodyguards of God's holiness. The secret service agents of heaven. They were the ones that struck dead any soul that blasphemed. Or trespassed, violated the holy presence of God. The Jewish Talmud tells us that the veil needed 300 priests to manipulate it. It was so heavy and large, woven together with 72 panels of embroidery. Jewish tradition informs us that two teams of oxen, two teams of oxen could not tear it apart. And a stream of accounts in the Old Testament record the danger of violating the presence of the Lord. On the first day of their holy service as high priests of God, the sons of Aaron, two sons of Aaron, were struck dead. They were burned alive because they blasphemed the presence of God. The Bible says that Uzzah, you remember Uzzah, when David brought the... Ark of the Covenant by ox cart to Jerusalem. And Uzzah stretched out his hand to study the ark. The Bible says that Uzzah got oozied by the cherubim. He was struck dead because he touched the holy. The Bible says that King Uzziah, though he was of royal heritage, the blood of David, king and royalty, because... King Uzziah merely went into the holy place. Not the holy of holies. 
Because he went to the holy place reserved only for the priests, he was struck with leprosy. You don't fool around with the awesome, incredible, majestic, holy God. He's not to be taken flippantly. He's not the old man upstairs. You know, I, I was dealing with a, a builder the other day, and he says, I was talking to the old man upstairs. I got out of the way. Because I have this thing about lightning. He's not to be taken uh, in a casual, flippant manner. Only once a year could man go into the Holy of Holies. And only then, covered by the blood of the Lamb. Only then, sprinkling the blood before Him. Only then was the high priest. That's why high priests were honored even more than kings. High priests, because of their access into the presence of the Lord once a year, were often thought of as a God-man. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest, one day a year, only one day, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies behind the veil. And only then, when he had bells around the fringe of his robe tinkling, as long as people heard the bells, they knew he was alive. The Jewish Talmud recites for us that they even would put a rope around his waist in case he was struck dead by the awesome glory, power, and holiness of God. Then the people could drag him out. The thought of an unholy person daring to approach the transcendent, awesome, incredible holiness of God. It's ludicrous, that thought. Yeah, you're better to walk tightrope over Niagara Falls. Far better chances to take on the Red Wings single-handedly and win the game, win the match. Far better to pull up to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, ring the door on the White House, walk confidently into the Oval Office, pull up a chair and be able to say, Hey Donald, hey Melania, what's happening? For over a thousand years, the veil, the veil hung declaring that total and consistent access to the presence of the Lord by all people was impassable, unapproachable, inaccessible, denied, no trespassing, death. Write it down with me. It's vital to realize that the veil also represented a barrier between God and man, far greater than any holy curtain. I'm talking about the barrier of sin. The veil represented the barrier of sin that separates us from a holy, holy God. There's four aspects to this barrier of sin. Barrier number one, God's holy character. God is sovereign. God is infinite. God is just. God is, is infinite love. God is immutable, unchanging. God is omnipotent, all-powerful. God is omniscient, all-knowing. God is omnipresent everywhere at once. God is holy. There's not a person who's ever lived who would be able to say, yeah, I'm just like that. No, what does the Bible say about you and I? Jeremiah 17, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Isaiah said, uh, uh, All of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts, our good deeds, are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. uh, And like the wind, our sins sweep 
us away. Do you hear what God's Word is saying? Not only are are, our sins an abomination to God, but even if you committed a good act like Mother Teresa every single day of your life, your good deeds, your good intentions, your good thoughts and good words are like filthy rags compared to God's holiness. Sin blocks our prayers. Sin blocks our relationship with God. Sin blocks His favor upon our lives. A holy God can have no fellowship with an unholy people. Barrier number two, our debt of sin. We are not only sinners by behavior, we're sinners by nature. We're born sinners, the Bible says. Ever tried taking, ever tried taking a toy away from a two-year-old? They'll bite your arm off. Mine! 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 Ever try to have a two-year-old share? Mine! Mine! Bible's very clear. We're conceived in sin. We inherited the sin nature from our first two parents, Adam and Eve. And not only are we sinners by nature, we're sinners by behavior. We all sin. How many in this room have sinned? I'm looking for those that don't raise their hands. I'm going to make an appointment with them. Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No, the Bible says, none are righteous. No, not one. Our debt of sin. Our debt of sin. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by behavior. The Bible says, what is the penalty then for sin? Colossians 3.10 It is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. If you have not completely, 100% kept God's commandments all of your life, you are under a curse. Pastor, that's not real popular people-pleasing preaching. You might lose some visitors this morning. I'm accountable to God, not to you. It's His Word. The penalty of sin. Our debt of sin. You do the crime. According to God's Word, you've got to do the time. You owe God. Reminds me of the couple that were pulled over. He was doing 80 in a 55. Rolled down his window, but, 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 officer, have you ever used this one? I had my cruise control on. And my cruise control, I, I had it on at 55 miles an, an hour. And his wife mumbled so the officer could hear her. Honey, you know you don't have cruise control on this car. Woman, be quiet. And she spoke up and said, uh, well, thank God at least you had your, 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 you had your radar detector on. Officer said, oh, radar detector, that's another ticket. And, 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 and he said, sir, I notice you're not wearing your seatbelt. And the, the husband said, well, uh, uh, have you used this one? I had to get my driver's license out and I took it off. And his wife said, honey, you know you'd never wear a seatbelt when you're driving. Woman, would you shut your mouth! He screamed. And the officer 
poked his head in the window and said, Ma'am, does he always talk to you like that? She smiled and looked at the officer and said, No, only when he's been drinking. Now you understand the concept. You get pulled over and you're given a traffic ticket. You do the crime. You gotta do the time. You gotta pay something, don't you? And then pay and pay and pay. Sure. Sin, our sin has created a debt with God. That's another barrier. Barrier number three, slavery to Satan. Jesus in John chapter eight was preaching. Not to the sinners, Jesus was preaching to the religious crowd. He was preaching, get a hold of this. He was preaching to the church leaders of his day. Was Jesus a people-pleasing preacher? Listen to Jesus. I man, it'll curl your hair. For you are the children of your father the devil. And you love to do the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and a hater of truth. There is not a, an iota of truth in him. When he lies, it's perfectly normal, for he's the father of liars. Anyone whose father is God listens gladly to the words of God. Since you don't, it proves you aren't God's children. Ooh. You think I preach rough. That's Jesus preaching. To the religious leaders of his day. You see, Jesus is pointing out, sin is rebellion. The first rebel was Satan. The first sin was committed in heaven by Lucifer who rebelled against God and took a third uh, of the angelic army with him. Anytime you sin, anytime you rebel against God's word, his will and his ways, you are in partnership with the devil. Yea, Jesus says that the devil becomes your father. And you're not a child of God. And how does Father Devil, Father Satan, how does he treat his prodigy? Not as children, but as slaves. He uses and abuses. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We see him destroying marriages and families and lives all around us. This is His will and His way. I'm talking about the enemy of your soul and my soul who desires to bring us into bondage with Him. Barrier number three is that slavery to Satan. Barrier number four, spiritual death. Paul the Apostle teaches in Romans 5, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin, the paycheck of sin, is death. Separation from God. If you're separated from God right now, you're a zombie. I'll repeat it again. If you're separated from God right now, you're a zombie. From God's perspective, you are the walking dead. From the human perspective, you talk and you walk. But from God's perspective, you are spiritually dead. You're not only a child of Satan, but you're alienated. You're separated from God. You're experiencing spiritual death, broken fellowship with God. God, the walking dead, the Bible speaks of dead in our trespasses and our sins. And heed me, 
Heed me. Hear the word of the Lord. If you experience physical death while you are spiritually dead, you will then move into eternal death forever and ever and ever. What hope? What hope? What hope do we have for this fourfold barrier that stands before us far greater than any no trespassing veil within the tabernacle or temple? What hope do we have to penetrate the veil? What hope do we have to have access, restored fellowship with our Heavenly Father, with God from whom all things are good and made holy? Positive thinking won't get you through the veil. Doing Mother Teresa type works every moment of your life won't get you into restored fellowship with God. Uh, Watching reruns of Oprah Winfrey every moment of your life, hear me, hear me, hear me, won't get you through the barrier. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing that you and I can do will bring down or get us through these barriers that sin and Satan uh, has erected between us and God. God's presence is inaccessible, unreachable. God's presence, because of our sin, is impossible. No wonder, no wonder Jesus said uh, that God, only God, must do something about it. Jesus said in Luke 18, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so, what man could not do, God graciously gave on a hill outside of Jerusalem. It seemed just like another uh, another criminal crucifixion by Rome if not for three words uh, from the center cross and a supernatural miracle that took place at the same moment. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this that's being crucified on the center cross? Jesus. He'd already been scourged by the Roman flagrum. The Roman flagrum, the cat of nine tails whip. Every leather whip was embedded with stone, glass, lead. It would literally wrap itself around human flesh and lacerate it and viscerate it. Many died even before making it to the cross. Jesus had to make it to the cross. He went the distance for you and I. Jewish law says that no one could be whipped more than 39 times. The Romans had no such law. We don't know how many times your Jesus and my Jesus were whipped. Crucifixion. Crucifixion included your worst nightmares. Crucifixion was invented by the Romans. It was perfected by the Romans. It was designed to to be able to induce the most horrendous, torturous pain possible in an individual without that victim losing consciousness or lapsing prematurely into death. It was designed, crucifixion was designed to prolong pain. The most horrendous pain possible. 
Yet I believe far worse than the physical pain was the hurting heart that Jesus had in the cross. His own countrymen that He had healed and performed miracles upon them. They cried out. They shouted, Crucify Him! The religious leaders of His day, they ridiculed Him. They mocked Him. They spat in His face. The most cursed thing a Jew could do to another Jew. They plucked His beard. His own disciples, His best friends, had run out on Him. Peter denied Him three times. And Judas... Judas, his friend Judas, betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Don't, don't tell me God doesn't understand about rejection. Don't tell me that the Lord doesn't understand the pain of a broken heart. There is no misery, pain, or hurt that you have entered into that God does not already know all about it. When you come to Jesus in prayer, He understands. He knows. He feels. But the worst abandonment of all was when an inky black darkness descended upon Calvary. And out of the darkness there came a piercing cry. My God! My God! Why have you forsaken me? You're not the only one asking the question why. At that moment in eternity in redemption history, God's Word informs us that the Holy Trinity was broken asunder. For the first and last time, the Holy Trinity was divided. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit turned their backs upon God the Son, Jesus, upon the cross. Why? Because God the Father had imputed all the sins of the past, the present, the future upon His Son, Jesus. But more than that, uh, more than imputing the world's sins, your sins and my sins upon Jesus, the Bible says that God so imputed the sins of the world upon Jesus that He made His Son Guilty of every one of those sins. Just as though He had committed those sins Himself. He made Jesus guilty of your sins and my sins. Though He had committed them. So God forsook His Son. Jesus hung there, abandoned by the Father. More alone than any soul will ever be on planet earth. He was forsaken. That we might be accepted. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. But then out of the gloom, out of the darkness, there came another cry. This was not a cry of despair. This was not a cry of of abandonment. It was definitely not a cry of defeat. Uh, The cry, the next cry that we heard that came out of that midnight darkness and blackness uh, was a cry of victory. It is finished! And at that moment... 
at that decisive, pivotal moment in salvation history, the Bible says three of the gospel writers recorded the miracle that took place. Matthew 27, Behold, uh, the veil of the temple was torn in two uh, from the top to the bottom. Luke adds another note, uh, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. God was showing proof positive that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Christ. A supernatural miracle that took place at the moment He cried, It is finished. I want you to notice three facts about the rent veil. The veil was rent simultaneously when Jesus shouted, It is finished. The two are inextricably tied and linked together. Secondly, the veil was not rent from bottom to top. The, the Bible succinctly describes the veil being rent from top to bottom. What's the difference? Curtains usually fray at the bottom. Curtains can be split by people pulling at the bottom, especially when it's 60 feet tall. That's twice the height of our church. But God sent His angels down, I believe, who tore at the top, started at the top, to prove proof positive this was supernatural, this was divine, this is God's proof positive that Jesus is the Christ. Thirdly, Luke records for us that it was torn, not at the corner, not on the side. An accidental, coincidental tearing could have been torn anywhere. It was torn exactly down the middle. The rent veil reveals proof positive that Jesus is the Christ, our breakthrough Savior. Jesus. The only one who could make a way where there seemed to be no way and grant us access into the very throne of God. Our breakthrough Savior. When you take uh, of the bread, when you take of the cup this morning, be reminded there's only one. Good works couldn't do it. Good intentions couldn't do it. Vain philosophies couldn't do it. Buddha couldn't do it. Confucius, Allah, Muhammad couldn't do it. Only Jesus could make a way where there seemed to be no way. Our breakthrough Savior. When Jesus cried, It is finished. And the veil was torn. What was finished? What was finished? Barrier number four, spiritual death is finished. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a brand new person. Old things have been passed away. All things become brand new. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said in Romans 6.23, the paycheck of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Spiritual death is finished. Barrier number three, slavery to Satan is finished. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. John 8, therefore if the Son makes you 
free, you shall be free indeed. Slavery to Satan. Hallelujah. Old Slewfoot who had us in bondage. It is finished. Barrier number two. Our debt of sin is finished. Peter said, you were not redeemed. You were not paid for with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. We needed someone to take our sins away. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is that someone? This past week, This past week, another tragedy in Florida. You've watched the news, pedestrian bridge, University of Miami, brand new bridge, six souls plunged into eternity. But it's just come out two days, two days before the bridge collapse, an engineer called Warning about a large crack in the bridge. Yet nobody, nobody, nobody heeded the warning. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And eternity is just a breath away. If you are within the sound of my voice this morning, in person or live stream, God loves you. God has broken down the barriers. He has sought you. He has bought you. He is here this morning. He is in your home this morning. He's reaching out to you. He's loving you once again. Don't ignore His voice. Don't neglect the warning. Heed the warning of the Holy Spirit. Come home. Come home. Come home. The barriers are down. The veil is torn. Come home to the Father. And Jesus broke through the greatest barrier of all. Separation from God is finished and restored our fellowship with the Father. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the, of the evening. And Jesus has brought paradise back spiritually. One day it will be literal. We walk and talk with the Father. But there's something more here this morning. As I get ready to close, Hebrews ten nineteen. Therefore, brethren, now get a hold of this. Don't miss this. Wake up. Gird up your spiritual loins this morning. Wake up. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil. Now notice here, the veil represents something else. Through the veil, that is His flesh. As the veil was rent, his body was broken. And having a high priest over the house of God, who is our new high priest? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of what? Faith. 
having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's water baptism. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. That's expectation. Without wavering, for he who promised is, shout it out, he is faithful. Say it again. He is faithful. Do you see these powerful revelations? The rent veil, the torn veil, represented the broken uh, body of Jesus, which has brought us a new and living way. Because of the shed blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus, we can confidently, not arrogantly, but boldly come into the presence of God. The barriers are now gone. We come not as orphans. We come into the very throne room of God as heirs and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We come not as paupers. We come as king's kids. In the name of Jesus, our breakthrough Savior has made a way for us where there seemed to be no way. Because of the blood of Jesus, uh, there's grace, uh, amazing grace from God's judgment. There's victory over every work of the enemy. God still declares, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Because of the blood of Jesus, there's cleansing for every sin. There's no pit that is so deep that His grace and love is not deeper still. Hallelujah! What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes you and I white as snow. Nothing! Nothing, absolutely nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Because the veil being rent. Because our Jesus was rent. His body was torn and broken. We don't confess our sins to a man. Don't confess your sins to a man. Don't confess your sins to a man. Don't go into some broom closet and confess your sins to a priest. We've got a a priest in heaven. Not a man, but the Son of Man. Paul the Apostle teaches in 1 Timothy, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Because the veil, our Jesus, was rent. We have full access to God the Father. I'm not talking about access to a Catholic Pope. I'm not talking about access to the United Nations Secretary General. I'm not talking about access to the President of these United States of America. Those things would be trivial, menial, minuscule in comparison. I'm talking about access anytime, any hour 24-7 I'm talking about access to Jehovah Jireh Jehovah Rapha Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Nisi the master of the universe King of kings and Lord of lords verse 23 let us hold fast hold fast the confession of our hope fight for it fight for it expect it without wavering For he who promised is what? Faithful. God is faithful. Faithful to heal our sick bodies. Faithful to deliver us from our harmful habits. I don't care what it is. The lion of the tribe of Judah still breaks every chain. 
He's faithful to restore broken marriages, fragmented families, faithful to save us and change us and rearrange us. Paul says in Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. That's a struggle at times. There's many times we can set our things on things of earth and get a bit despaired. If you think sometimes I'm pointing at you, i got three fingers pointing at me right now. Don't let the things of this life cause depression. It'll work on you. Honey, it'll work on you. It'll want to drag you down and get you looking on things below instead of things above. Set your mind, set your mind, set your mind on He who is faithful. Knowing that every barrier is removed. Knowing we have access to the throne room of God. If you'll do that, every day will be a new day. (laughs) Rather than getting up this morning and saying, Good God, it's morning. You can get up this morning and say, Good morning, Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. This is going to be a great day. God's directing my steps. His favor is surrounding me. Goodness and mercy are following me. I'm excited about what God has for me today. Live expecting His faithfulness. Live expecting circumstances to change in your favor. Expect your healing. Expect your provision. Expect your restoration. Expect doors of opportunity to open up for you. Expect to to excel in school this year. Expect to rise above the challenges in your career. God will meet you at your level of expectation in His promised faithfulness. Hallelujah. 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 Many of you recognize the names of Jim and Carol Cymbala, Brooklyn Tabernacle, That great, spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal church. Brooklyn, New York. Started out as a storefront. Pastor freely admits he can't preach. Wasn't educated. But his testimony is this. God is drawn to our weaknesses as we're dependent upon Him. That pastor who didn't have a lot of talent, expertise, or experience, turned that into a house of prayer. Many of you know the rest of the story. Instead of a playhouse, it's become a powerhouse for God. Thousands attend Brooklyn Tabernacle. The music of Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir has swept the world. But in the midst of that growth, as Pastor Jim and his wife Carol were winning the world, They were losing their family. Their daughter Chrissy, age 16, poised her fist in the face of mom and dad and said, I don't want anything to do with you, and I don't want anything to do with God. You're God. Very soon, not only was she out all night, they didn't know where she was. Did not know where she was. She fell into a world of drug abuse, sexual immorality. This pastor's daughter, two years away from home. One pastor, friend of Jim's, called him up and said, 
Jim, you just, you just got to face it. An 18-year-old is going to do what an 18-year-old wants to do. Give it up. Jim hung up the phone and said, No! In the name of Jesus, I claim my daughter through the cross of Calvary. And a burden of prayer gripped that church. They meet every night for a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And that Tuesday night prayer meeting became a, a delivery room, a, a labor of prayer. As they began to pray, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. <laughs> She's coming home. In the midst of that, because listen, when you go on the attack, he's going to counterattack. In the midst of that, Carol Symbola lapsed into deep, deep depression. And Satan whispered in her ear, I've got your daughter. And there's no way you're getting her back. Years went by. And one night, Carol screamed in the house for Jim to come running. He came running in the kitchen. And there, Chrissy was on her knees on the kitchen floor, rocking back and forth. I've sinned. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you, Mommy and Daddy. Will you take me back? Will you take me back? And that began the story of redemption and restoration, mercy, and grace. Chrissy ended up going to an Assembly of God Bible College and is today one of our outstanding Assembly of God pastor wives. Hallelujah! God is still in the restoration business. Fill in the blank with me this morning. Because of our breakthrough Savior, the veil is rent. Fellowship with the Father is restored. And He will be faithful to you. In the midst of that crisis, Carol Simbola, mom, wrote this song. Every pain, every tear, there's a God who's been faithful to me. When my strength was all gone, when my heart had no song, still in love, He was Thought was impossible. 
many times I could not pray. Still, my God, He was faithful to me. The days I've spent so selfishly, reaching out for what pleased me. and the sacredness of the service. God is faithful even right now. He's at the door of your heart. Do you hear Him calling you? Wooing you? Do you hear Him like a gentle lover crying, come home, my child, come home. He even knocks upon the door of your heart. But only you can open that door. God will not force His way in. Only you can invite His grace. Isn't it time? Isn't it time you give your problems, your depression, your hurts, your resentments, your bitterness? Isn't it time you give it over to God? Even right now, He's calling. Don't wait. Don't wait till it's too late. 
Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow might never come. Is it about time you said yes to the love of God in Christ Jesus? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm prepared to pray a prayer of salvation. And if you'd like to be included in this prayer, I want to invite you to be in this prayer. Perhaps you're not sure you're right with God and you want to be sure. Perhaps you're not certain that you have a home in heaven and you want to be certain. If you want to be included in this prayer, it's a prayer that will change you and rearrange you for the glory of God. Let God work out the problems. You don't have to work out the problems before you come to Jesus. Come now. Come now. Come as you are. Don't wait till it's too late. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you'd like to be included in this prayer, you want to join us in Holy Communion, lift up your hand right now. Lift up your hand right now. Amen. If you want to be born again, if you want to come back to God, rededicate your life to God, lift up your hand right now. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. How many more? Yes, God bless you. How many more? Lift it up to Jesus. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. I see those hands. Today is the day of salvation. Don't shut God out. Yes, thank you, sir. I see that hand. Come home. Come home. Come home. Keep those hands lifted up as a testimony of your faith to Jesus. Everyone pray this prayer with me, especially you that have lifted up your hands. Pray it out loud with me. Dear Jesus, I come to you as I am. No excuses. No defense. I am a sinner. But Jesus, you are my breakthrough Savior. You made a way where there seemed to be no way. Your body was broken. Your blood was shed for me. I receive that as I believe it. And you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I need that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me. For cleansing me. For a home in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I am saved. I receive this as I believe it. Amen. You may put those hands down. The Bible declares that you're born again. New life, not because you feel it, because you believe it. Amen. You'll see it if you'll believe it. Praise the Lord.